Praise to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and all to all the mothers who have had to do the role of a father. I know there's some mothers that have had to shoulder that responsibility. I'd like for you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans 5. I studied all week on this and... Uh, Friday, I was mowing the yard Friday afternoon, and I was listening to sermons. I was listening to other people preach by text. Uh, not so I could plagiarize, but I just want to hear their take on it. And I heard a preacher say, well, this is the most difficult passage in all uh, the book of Romans. And then Saturday morning, I woke up, I thought, well, dear Lord, I don't want to preach the most difficult message anybody has ever heard on Father's Day. And so I spent the rest of the morning yesterday trying to revamp. I, brought, I got a whole new text, and I said, I'm going to preach a generic Father's Day message. And then Lori said, what's wrong with you? I said, I just can't get any peace in my spirit. I got to go pray, and I went and prayed, and the Lord said, stick with what I gave you to begin with. And, uh, you know, Paul can be difficult to follow. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit. Sometimes I don't follow Paul's train of thought. But uh, with God's help this morning, we're going to look at it, and it ain't going to be that hard for us to understand. God's Word uh, is, is meant for us to, un to be understood. And so, uh, did I say Romans 5? Okay, that's where we need to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to study the Word of God this morning. I uh, thank you for the fathers in our life, Lord. I thank you for my earthly father. I uh, thank you for my son-in-law, who's now the father to my grandson. And I thank you for all of the spiritual fathers in my life. And uh, most importantly, I thank you for my heavenly father, uh, who loves me and cares for me. And Lord, I need your help today. God, I can't do anything without your help. But if you'll help me, Lord, I believe we can follow the, the train of thought in Romans 5. And your Holy Spirit will help us. So I'm asking you to help us, and I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you for your grace, and I'm praying if there's one person today that has not yet received Christ as Savior, that they would do so without hesitation. And I'm going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans 5, verse 12. It begins, now I'm reading out of the New King James this morning, and I'm, and I'm doing that for a reason. It says, Therefore, just as through one man... Sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. Now, my new King James says, because all sinned. If you've got a King James authorized version, it's going to say, because all have sinned. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with that translation, but it gives the idea that death became, came because of all of our individual sins. In other words, Adam sinned and he died. You sinned and you die and I sinned and I die. And that totally misses the point of Paul's argument. Paul's argument is that one man, Adam, made us all sinners. Okay? So that's why I chose the New King James translation here. This is because all sinned. We sinned in Adam. Now that's hard for us to wrap our brains around in the Western because uh, in the West we're very individualistic. And, uh, and so, but to an Eastern mind, that concept is, is it's not hard to grasp, and that's especially to a Hebraic mind. But uh, let's talk about this for a moment. Paul starts 
by drawing a link between death and sin through one man. The word one is going to appear 11 times in this particular passage. So that's a key word, one, O-N-E. It's going to appear 11 times in this passage. And it tells us why the world is broken. We encounter people from time to time, and they want to know, hey, if God's such a good God, why are things so messed up in the world? Do you ever get that when you're witnessing to people? And and my answer to them is it, it wasn't intended to be that way. Now, how many of you like to read books? Hopefully you read the Bible, but... Uh, now, I'm not, a, I'm not an avid reader, and that's because I spend so much time reading for my calling. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm going to wait for the movie to come out uh, and hope that it's true to the book. But um, if, you, if you're going to evaluate a book, you need to start from the beginning. Don't jump to the middle and draw your own conclusions. So when you go to Genesis chapter 1, and I invite you to turn there, and I'm going to get Adam to read uh, for us. When you get to Genesis 1, you find out that God never intended for the world to have death, sickness, cancer, uh, natural disasters, all of those things that they call, quote, acts of God, according to the insurance company. God did not design for the world to be subjected to that. Genesis chapter 1, and Adam, if you would read verses 26 through the remainder of the chapter. Then God said, Let us make our, in man, in our man, image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you everything, every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the, in the, of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All right. So when God, first thing we see is God gave man dominion over everything. Adam, if I could say it this way, without uh, you accusing me of taking too much liberty with the text, Adam was made the king of the world. He was the world's, the earth's first king, and he was given dominion. Uh, now Noah, when, he, when God started over with Noah, he was not given dominion because Adam had already given it up to Satan at that point. But at the end of the chapter, when God saw everything that he had made, what was his evaluation of it? Was it good or was it very good? Very good. No cancer. No uh, premature death, no, uh, no abortion, no funerals, none of that stuff, no natural disasters. God made everything, and it was very good. All right, now you get to Genesis 2, and I'm going to go ahead and get Adam to read this. Uh, Genesis 2.
and read verses 15 through 17. Yeah, 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right, thank you. So let's go back to Romans now. So God gave Adam a command, a positive and a negative. Positively, you can eat freely of all the trees of the garden. That was grace. Negatively, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you do, you will surely, what? Die. Okay? All right, back to Romans 5, 12. Paul says, through one man sin entered into the world. So Paul uh, believed that Genesis was literal. He believed that the creation account was real, that Adam and Eve is not a myth. Paul believed, and he was a brilliant scholar, by the way, Paul believed that God did not start through an evolutionary process of billions of years, as so-called science would have you believe, but God had started with one man and one woman in the garden. Now, this is not a Father's Day uh, message per se, but if I were going to take that spin on it, notice Paul says, through one man sin entered into the world... And if you've read Genesis, you know that it, it was two of them that sinned, right? Eve was deceived first by the serpent, and then Adam sinned. Adam was not deceived. He sinned with eyes wide open. And, but, so that tells me that as a father and as a husband, God holds me accountable to be the spiritual leader of my family. Okay? God held Adam accountable. He didn't say, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? And he says, all have sinned. Now, he stops there. He doesn't finish the sentence. He says, all have sinned. And he's going to pick it up later, but he's, he's going to anticipate your questions. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I wasn't in the Garden of Eden. How could, I, how could I be held responsible for Adam's sin? How do I know I'm a sinner? Well, he's going to explain it to you. He says, for until the law, sin was in the world. We know that to be true, don't we? Noah's flood, Tower of Babel, Sodom and Gomorrah. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Sin is a transgression of the law. Okay? Thou shalt not, and if you break it, that's a sin, right? Verse 14. Nevertheless, death, notice he says it rained like a king. Death reigned from how, from how long? That's about 2,500 years. You realize the Ten Commandments didn't come until about 2,500 years after Adam. And yet, death reigned. Go with me to Genesis chapter 5. I should have dealt with this when we were in Genesis, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it is what it is. Now you get to Genesis 5, and that's what I call the great obituary of the Bible. Obituaries are depressing. 
But some of y'all love to read them for some reason. I guess you're just thankful you're not in there, right? Genesis 5. Now remember what God told Adam. He said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Did Adam die immediately? Well, in a sense he did. I guess spiritually you could say he did. Physically he didn't. Look at Genesis 5 verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created him. He made, he made him in the likeness of God. Created him male and female. Now notice it says, And Adam lived 130 years, begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. Now, Adam was made in the image of God, but Seth was made in the image of Adam. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. That's where Cain's wife came from, in case you're wondering. Different, different time period. So all the days that Adam lived were how long? He lived 930 years, and then he did what? He died, just like God said. And you go all the way through that genealogy, and you get to Noah at the end of the chapter. And Noah lived a long time, but guess what? Noah died too. Now let's go back to Romans 5. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even after those, even over those who did not sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Well, who would that be? Well, that would be babies. Right? Babies can't break a law. My grandson's back there trying to right now. I hear him fussing. <laughs> hey, don't run out, Case. You're fine. <laughs> but... Um, Case can't break a law. I mean, he might break our hearts by making some choices we don't want him to make, right? Throwing a tantrum or something. He can't break a law. He doesn't know right from wrong. They're just like a baby. And yet, babies still die, don't they? They still die. Why do babies die prematurely? Is it because they've sinned individually? No. It's because of who? Adam. Adam's sin. Now, the end of that verse says Adam is a type of Christ. Now, you may be thinking, well, what in the world do Adam and Jesus have in common? Well, there's only one aspect that we're going to deal with today, and that is that one man's actions affected the whole human race, and another man's actions are going to affect everybody that will put their faith in him. And that's Paul's, that's his logic. Now, verse 15 he says, the free gift is not like the offense. Praise God. Salvation is a gift. You don't earn it. For if by one man's offense many died, and that word many is really a, a, a should say all except for Enoch, I guess, and Elijah. But everybody dies. Much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by how many people? One man. And what's his name? Jesus Christ. There's only one man on the planet that can save your soul. And it ain't you. It's Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ is a vivid reminder 
that you and I need to be saved. It's His death that saved us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the gift is not like that which the one who sinned. For the judgment came from one offense resulted in what? Are you reading along with me? Condemnation. That's a legal term. It means condemned, sentenced to die. Not just physically, but spiritually. People will ask sometimes, well, what do I need to do to go to hell? You know what my answer is? Nothing. Just go to work every day. Be a good neighbor. Love your spouse. Treat your, kill, treat your children well. Be kind. Be nice to people. Be a war hero. Serve your country. Be a philanthropist. And die without Christ and you'll die and go to hell. That's Paul's argument here. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Most of you are familiar with John 3.16, aren't you? John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish or be condemned, but have everlasting life. All right, Adam. While we're in the Gospel of John, let's read a few verses that maybe you haven't memorized. Uh, read verses 17 through 19. John three seventeen through 19. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in the condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of the God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So if you don't believe in Christ, you're already condemned. You're already condemned. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. Now, th these are forensic terms, condemnation and justification. Back to Romans 5. The last part of verse 16 says, But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in what? Justification. That means to be declared righteous. That's what that, it's a legal term. To be justified means to be declared righteous. Now, who is declared righteous? Might be the question that you'll ask. Flip back to Romans chapter 4 and you'll get the answer. Adam, would you read verses 3 through 8? Romans 4, 3 through 8. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
Now to him who works, the wages are are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man who, to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Um, read 7 and 8 too. That's from the Psalms. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Praise God. I think King David wrote those words. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that he did. <laughs> um, who does God justify? Look at verse 5. Romans 4, 5. He justifies the ungodly is what it says. Is that what your translation reads? So God doesn't justify people that are all cleaned up. He justifies people that are all messed up. <laughs> you know who that would be? That would be me. <laughs> God justifies people who are not living for Him, but who turn to Him in faith and say, Lord, I believe, I receive. All right, let's go back to chapter 5. We're almost done here. For if by the one man's offense, verse 19, 17, death reigned, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Here is the condition of eternal life. You must receive by faith. You say, what do I have to do? That's what you have to do. By faith, you trust in Christ. You receive Him. Not on the merits of what you've done, but on the merits of what he's done. Verse 18. Through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act. What is that righteous act? That's the cross of Jesus Christ. He became obedient unto death. His free gift came to all men, all who receive him, resulting in justification of life. Notice the juxtaposition of death and life here. Death and life. Death by Adam, life through Christ. For as by one man's disobedience, many were, notice it says made sinners. Is that what your Bible says? So also by one man's disobedience, many will be made righteous. Hmm. I'm not at a loss for words. I'm just thinking on this. I'm just meditating on this. Adam's sin made me a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. In Adam, I was made a sinner. How do I know this? Paul, he's connected the dots for us. I know that I'm a sinner because I'm mortal. I'm dying. Someday. We're all decaying in here. Don't look at me that way. We're all decaying in here. Well, I don't believe it, preacher. Get out your high school yearbook. 
and do a side-by-side, and you tell me. What Adam did made me a sinner. I know that I know that because Paul says that death came from sin. And death has a hundred percent track record. Still. Except for Enoch and Elijah. So I know that I'm a sinner because I'm following the pattern of Adam. However, I can be saved. I can be made righteous. Notice he doesn't say I become righteous little by little as I quit doing this and I quit doing that. That's sanctification. And when you get saved, there are some things that are going to change. Praise God. But in justification, just like Adam made me a sinner, in a moment, in a moment, Christ makes me righteous. And that means if I get saved right this minute and I step out of this building and get hit by a car, God forbid, I'm as good for heaven as if I had worked for 30 years in the church. I'd been a a pastor, a deacon, or an evangelist, or whatever. I'm going to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did. The Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, this is not that hard to understand, is it? Don't listen to preachers when they tell you stuff. Unless it's me, of course. I'm kidding. All right. Back to Romans 5. Verse 20. Well, what about the law? You said there was a 2,500-year period where there was no law between Adam and Moses. The law came, Paul says. Now, the word says, most of you have a translation that says entered. The law entered. I I found something interesting in the Greek. The word's only used twice. And it carries with it the idea of coming in in a sneaky way. A sneaky way. The law is not your friend. Now, the law is perfect, holy, just, and good, but the law is not your friend because the law shows us that we're sinners. He says, The law entered in that the offense might abound. Is that what your Bible says? The law didn't come so that you would look at it and say, Oh boy, now I know how I'm going to get to heaven. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Let me show you something. Exodus 20. We're almost done here. Do you believe it? You say, no, you're a preacher. (laughs) I don't believe it. You can trust me. It's Father's Day. I have your best interests at heart. Or do I have mine at heart? Maybe I want to beat the Methodist to the steakhouse today. I'm kidding. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, and I'm just going to let you survey this. These are the Ten Commandments. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Remember my little hand thing to remember the Ten Commandments? Number one, they shall have no other gods before me. There's one God. Number two, don't make any graven images. Don't bow down to them. Number three, looks like a W. It's our words. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, stop. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, honor your mother and father. That's a great Father's Day verse, isn't it? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Number six, thou shalt not kill. 
Y'all laughed when I did it last time. Go ahead and give me a courtesy laugh. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. There's two people in the marriage, not five. Number eight, in some countries when you steal, they cut your thumbs off. Thou shalt not steal, number eight. Number nine, don't bear false witness. Four is not five, five is not four. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. Got sticky fingers there. All right. If you survey Exodus 20, nowhere does God say in those ten commandments, if you keep the ten commandments, then you'll die and go to heaven. He never says that. You know why? Because the law is not able to give life. If it was able to, it would have. But the law, Paul says, is our schoolmaster. Go to uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Now I've got to bring this in for a landing. Galatians 3. Adam, would you read verses 21, 21 through 26? Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you, all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm not a son of Adam anymore. Well, I am, but I'm not completely a son of Adam. Now I'm a son of Christ by faith in Him. The law is our schoolmaster to show us we needed Christ. Mount Sinai shows us that we need a Mount Calvary. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Romans 5. Paul says, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's grace is greater than our sin. God's grace is greater than our sin. You cannot outrun your heavenly Father. His arm is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not too heavy that it can't hear. You're not too far gone that the Lord won't reach down and pull you up in a moment of time. I'm not talking about a 12-step program. I'm not against those. I'm talking about in one moment of time, You come to yourself and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And at that very moment, at that very moment, God wipes away your sins as far as the east is from the west. Last verse. Just as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Listen, sin's had its heyday. Death's not done yet. Death's not done. Go with me to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. Now, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years, and the last enemy will, will, will be destroyed, which is death. Remember I told you to really appreciate the book? You've got to start at the beginning, and you've got to go all the way to the end. Don't quit in the middle. Got any Rocky fans here? I love, I love the Rocky movies. I'm going to tell you what. There's usually always two fights in a Rocky movie. There's usually two. There's one where he's overconfident or out of shape, and he gets his tail kicked. And if you walk out of the theater at that point, you're going to be disappointed. I think the worst was uh, Clubber Lang. Remember him? Mr. T? I pitied a fool. That was his thing. And he just beat Rocky's head in in that first fight. But if you stay to the end of the movie, spoiler alert for any of you that haven't seen it, Rocky whoops the tar out of Clubber Lang. He said, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. I can see him now. I'm getting the adrenaline going. You don't walk out in the middle of the movie. Don't judge the book by the middle. Are y'all in Revelation 22? Here I done got the flesh. I'm thinking, Rocky, Rocky. Adam, help me simmer down here. Why don't you read verses 1 through 5? Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Yeah. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and, they will be, and he will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, and no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of the life freely to him who thirsts. That's good stuff. That's how it ends, folks. It started out with no death, no sin, no disease. And that's the way it's going to end. Because God intended it to be so. So let's bring this in for a landing. All of us are in Adam. We have a common ancestor. So there's, there's absolutely no need for racism in this world because we all come from one man. We all come from one man. We also inherit a sin nature from that one man. 
When we were born into this world, we were born sinners. We were born sinners. If you die only in Adam, you're going to die lost and condemned. Just like Adam's sin brought forth physical death, it will bring forth eternal death if you don't receive Christ. The good news is that Jesus... There's three exchanges. There's really three great imputations. Number one, Adam's sin, and that's not great, that passed on the whole human race. But on the cross, God took all the sins of the world and put it on Jesus. Now here's the great exchange. Now, when you believe on Jesus, God puts the righteousness of Christ on your account. Wow. If you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll die once. Would you stand? John says, To as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the right or the authority to become the children of God. The condition of faith is the same as it has always been since Jesus died and rose again. That if you will believe in his finished work, you come to him just as you are, you can be saved. Just simply call on the Lord in the best way you know how. Just say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm trusting in you. I'm believing in your righteousness to save my soul. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, I invite you to come right now. We'll pray with you.